Good morning, Oregon. I'm Finn J.D. John, FJ at OffbeatOregon.com, and this is the Daily Offbeat Oregon History Podcast. It's Thursday, so this is an archive show, first published as a newspaper column and podcast episode sometime in the last 10 years. Thanks for downloading, and I hope you enjoy our show. This story was first published on July 18th of 2010 under the headline, Wagon Train to Oregon Was Led by a Dead Man. Here we go. The Aurora Colony, founded in 1856, is one of the real treasures of Oregon history. But ironically enough, it might very well never have happened if young Willie Kyle hadn't died. Willie Kyle was 19 years old in 1855. That was the year a party from Bethel, the Christian commune Willie's father led in northern Missouri, packed up its wagons to head for the Oregon Territory. Young Willie was terrifically excited for the journey. Missouri at the time was the jumping-off place for westward-bound emigrants, and Willie had met plenty of them as they geared up for their journeys. Bethel craftsmen were famous for quality and honesty, and hundreds of emigrants had bought their goods and supplies for the journey from them. The Oregon Trail was the great adventure of Willie's generation, and he yearned to take part in it. His father, Dr. Wilhelm Kyle, had promised he'd lead the train when they left. And then, just before it was time to leave, young Willie Kyle became desperately ill and then died. A promise was a promise, and Willie's grieving father had promised his boy he'd be leading the wagon train. So lead the train he would. The elder Kyle arranged for a lead-lined coffin that would not leak, filled it up with the high-quality whiskey, Golden Rule brand, that Bethel's distillery produced, and laid his boy to rest in it. Then a special transcontinental hearse was built. When the wagon train left Missouri, the hearse was at the head of the line. Now, 1855 was a bad year to be on the Oregon Trail. The Native Americans were growing exasperated with all the traffic, and they knew very well that the purpose of it was to kick them off their land. It might be the West Coast tribe's turn today, but it would be theirs tomorrow. In 1855, they were actively trying to do something about it. At several military outposts along the way, the Kyle party was urged to turn back and wait a year. Dr. Kyle would politely hear the speaker out and the wagon train would press on. The Lord would protect his own, Kyle would say. But then by the time Kyle was hearing this sort of advice, he'd already met many Indians. Word was spreading among the tribes that there was a particularly big wagon train led by a dead man coming through. Party after party of heavily armed Sioux and other Plains Indians came to see. They'd take a peek into the coffin, look impressed, make gestures of friendship, listen to a couple of hymns in German, and be on their way. But the Indians didn't just leave the Bethel party alone. Many were actively helpful and friendly. At one point, when some of the party's livestock escaped, a group of Indians from the Cayuse or Yakima tribe actually drove the animals back to the wagon train. The party passed the charred remains of at least one less fortunate wagon train along the way. In the discolored iron bands of wagon tires and the burned corpses, they saw what probably would have happened to them without the protective presence of young Willie Kyle. They stopped to bury and pray for the dead and moved on. 
When the party finally arrived at its destination in the coast range of what's now southwestern Washington, Dr. Kyle soon found its gray and misty weather tiresome. His scouts found a more suitable spot south of the Columbia, and the colony soon moved to what is now Aurora. There is much more to tell about the Aurora colony, but that we'll have to wait for another time. As for Willie, he was buried upon arrival at the older site in Washington. His tombstone can be found in Willie Kyle's Grave State Park on Washington's Highway 6 near the community of Menlo. He is, of course, the only person known to have traversed the entire Oregon Trail while dead. Key sources in this story have included works by Stuart Holbrook, Old Aurora Colony Historical Museum, and the Oregon Historical Society. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks again for listening. This podcast is part of Offbeat Oregon History, a public history resource for the state we love. What you've been listening to is one of more than 550 stories originally created and published as newspaper columns in first-run syndication between 2008 and today. You can read them all at offbeatoregon.com. Offbeat Oregon is a division of Pulplet Productions, pulp-lit.com, a boutique publishing house owned and operated by yours truly, specializing in audiobook and multimedia editions of the work of the classic pre-war pulp writers. This podcast is covered under a Creative Commons license type CC by SA 4.0, which basically means you can do anything with the content you like, so long as you A, give me credit for it, and B, whatever you make is also released under a Creative Commons license. But if you need a waiver to either A or B, hit me up, fj at offbeatoregon.com. I've never said no yet to a request for a waiver of one of those conditions. They're generally there just to prevent me from accidentally authorizing the reuse of something I don't actually control the rights to. A good example might be a photograph used by special permission of the rights holder. Our theme music is by the Atlas String Band and was written by Carmen Ficara. Listen and download more at atlasstringband.com. Questions, critiques, ideas for a future episode? Email me at fj at offbeatoregon.com. Episodes of Offbeat Oregon History are uploaded around 6 a.m. every single weekday, so the next one will be on your device and ready to go before you know it. Until then, go out and fill up the rest of the day with good stuff. Bye now. (laughs) ¶¶